0: I want to speak to you today about Jesus Bears With Us. This is part two. We're going to be looking in Mark chapter nine again. Mark the ninth chapter. If you want to flip there in your Bibles. Mark chapter nine. We're talking about this uh, this man who has a son who has been um, horribly demon possessed. He has been demon uh, demonized to the point of where he's, uh, he's no longer in control, horrible case of demonic possession. We have, we have said that the, um, the enemy was not just alive then, he's, he's still very much alive today, He still demonizes people today. He still oppresses them. He still possesses people. He can even possess children. After uh, the coming of Christ and the preaching of the gospel, any area where this uh, gospel has been preached, the cases of this kind of demonic activity diminish but when the gospel is not being preached and um, the truth of God's word—it's a light—as the light is not going forward, demonic activity increases, and there are people who are in our city who are under the um, the work of demons. Now, we we don't uh, we don't look for demonic activity everywhere and some people everything that goes wrong is accredited to some kind of um, demonic work and people spend um, countless hours rebuking the devil over situations in life where there's uh, simple tragedy and suffering not everything is the work of the devil And so just because something is uh, going wrong in your life, listen, we live in a world that's broken. The reason things ultimately go wrong is because when Adam fell, this whole world was dipped or plunged, was baptized into sin. And as a result of sin, there's there's brokenness in this world. There's a tragedy in this world. There's heartache in this world. But the devil works in concert with our sin, And the opposite extreme is to say the devil really doesn't do much at all. Or the the devil is simply a a picture for something that's evil, but he's not really a personal being. That's not true at all. There is real demonic activity. There are real beings who are demons. Demons are fallen angels who hate God. They despise his work. They don't like anything that Christ does. They don't like the preaching of the gospel. They don't like seeing people get changed. And we can become mesmerized if we're not careful with the demonic, with movies like The Exorcist and uh, all sorts of sensational things in regard to the devil. Many people are obsessed with this kind of thing. Movies that include this kind of working, they're obsessed with it. People who are obsessed with the working of, of the devil and uh, people who are interested in what is an exorcism like and all of these things that strange things that we do not find within the scriptures. The Bible actually has something very interesting to say. We can talk all about demon possession. We're going to talk about that in, in just a moment. We can talk about the uh, demonic activity over certain people, even over children, even over children. This child was evidently very young when he uh, came under the influence of uh, Satan in this pervasive way. But the Bible says something in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. It says this, uh, verse 19 says this, For we know that we are from God. Well, that's good to know. We know we are from God. Do you know today you're from God? That you have been uh, saved, that you have been born again, that you have been changed. That assurance to know that we are from God. But then John says this, And the whole world lies in the power of of the evil one the whole world the whole world system of evil listen we don't have to just look for cases of crazy demonic possession to simply say oh there's the work of of the devil listen this whole world the Bible says here in first John chapter 5 Yes, it's ultimately under the sovereignty of God, but there is a system of sin that is pervasive and full in our society, and it's run and it's ruled by Satan for the whole world, it says. Not just parts of the world, but the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Before we get into the sensational, and before we start talking about... um, people who are demon-possessed, the, the question that we need to be asking ourselves is this, am I under the control of the devil? Now, you might not be possessed by the enemy just because uh, you walk in here and you're not even a believer. You say, I don't even know Christ. That doesn't make you demon-possessed. There's lots of unbelievers who are, who are not demon-possessed. There are are many people who reject God and are not filled with spirits of of Satan. But the question remains because the truth is that there are people who are living lives where they're not foaming at the mouth. They are living lives where they are not um, throwing themselves into fire, as we're about to see who are saying all sorts of bizarre things, or eyes rolling into the back of their head, who are still under the power of the evil one. Listen, we have to be a slave to somebody. Uh, we, we were not made to just be these free beings and not enslaved to anyone. The truth is we are born in sin we are born in wickedness. We are born into chaos. And we are born enslaved to the wicked one. And so a person can, can go around, listen, they can have a, um, a nice job. They can have a uh, relative control over their mouth. They might not have a foul mouth. They, they, they might be seen as a, a nice person. They might live a life that many people consider decent and moral. And yet that very person, listen, if they do not know Christ, they are enslaved to sin and under the power of Satan. That's what the scripture tells us. And so before we get into talking about, well, this person is demon possessed and oh, isn't that amazing? The question really needs to come to us first, am I under the power of Satan? Because either we are slaves to Satan, or the scripture says after we get saved, we're not just free. The Bible doesn't just say, hey, you're free. You're not not enslaved to anybody. The Bible says that we become slaves of righteousness. This is why we call Jesus Lord. This is why we call him Lord. It's not just the the, the Greek word kurios. It's not just, oh, well, he's, you know, he's just, that's what we call him because that's what the Bible says. That's not what it means at all. Well, we just call him Lord because that's a nice little title for Jesus. We call him Lord. No, no, it's real. And what Lord means is he's our master and we are his slave. Now listen, what the scripture says is this. There is nothing more freeing and more life-giving and to become a person of dignity and a, and, a, and a person who is living a life of true freedom is really to be a slave to Christ. Because listen, there's no greater master than Christ. He liberates us. He frees us. He changes us. We're set free. And when we serve Christ, there's nothing more beautiful He's not, he's not standing over us with a whip. When we think of um, slavery in the South, listen, all those images are not the slavery we're talking about when we're talking about being a slave to Christ. What we're talking about is we're talking about ultimate liberty. Coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, I was, I was a slave to sin. I was a slave to the devil. I was was involved in me. I wasn't demon-possessed. I wasn't doing all these things that we're going to look at this morning. That's not what I was doing. I wasn't doing all of those things. But the truth of the matter was, Satan was whispering in my ear, keep living for yourself. Keep living for yourself. I was talking to a, a guy this week. Jim and I were talking to him about the Lord. He said, I don't go to church. God's in my home. Right away when we hear things like that, and we hear people talk like that all the time, we begin to talk about hell. He says, I've lived through hell. I said, oh, no. No, 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 you haven't. Oh, I'm living in hell right now. And I said to him, I said, listen, this is, this is the best it's ever going to get if you don't know Christ. Because let me tell you, once you die, it gets a lot worse. It doesn't matter what you're living in right now. And I told him that the, the, the person who talks like that is a person who's not been born again. The person who says, God's in my home, I don't need church. The person who says, I'm living in hell, they're a person who doesn't know Christ. That's the voice of someone who's enslaved to the devil. That's the voice. And so when we're listening to things like that, and if you've come in here today, here's here's the... um, Here's the thing that we need to understand. You might be talking about, we might be going, the the, the danger is, we get into this verse about, oh my, can you believe this? This kid is demon possessed, he's demonized. Look at what he's doing, how awful that is. Oh, wow, that's absolutely horrible. And to walk out of these doors and never have an experience with God Almighty, never come to a place of brokenness in our life. Isn't it amazing how many things Jesus said over and over and over again? and people just were not hearing it. Isn't that amazing? We can can preach the gospel, the word of God can go forth in clarity and in power, and people come out and you're like, what message did you just hear? What were you listening to? None of that was said. Why, why, why do people talk like this? Why do people think like this? Is it because they're demon possessed? No, usually that's not the case. The problem is they don't know God. And so the question we need to be asking ourselves this morning is not, have we, um, have we just believed in God? That's a part of faith. You've got to believe that God exists. It's hard to have faith if you don't even believe God exists. But it's coming to a real conviction in our heart that the things that Christ is saying are true. And it's even a step further than that. It's placing all of our weight or all of our trust upon Jesus and saying to him, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the one who comes from the tribe of Judah, a Jewish man who lived 2000 years ago. I trust you. And the question needs to be asked today, have you come to a place where you are no longer under the dominion of Satan? you say, well, I don't know if I'm under the dominion of Satan. Have you ever been broken? Have you ever gotten to a place where you've cried out to the Lord and you're not just saying, Lord, I'm, I'm thinking about this person, I'm thinking about that person, and Lord, I'm annoyed with this at church, or, or, or Lord, I'm just kind of talking to you about my life. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life where you're really broken over your own sin. Where you come before the Lord and you say, Lord, I recognize that in my own life, I'm enslaved to the enemy because I've been so hard of heart Lord, I've been so hard of heart. I haven't been listening to the gospel. I've not been listening to the truth that you have in your word. Lord, I come to you today, and, and Lord, I lay it all down on the line. You become Lord of my life. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you wherever you want me to go. Listen, you cannot be saved. If you're, if you're sitting in here and you think that you're saved, but you're just continuing to do whatever you want, and really the Lord of, of your life is you, then you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. You can say you're a Christian, you can say that, that um, you, you, you know Christ, but until you have come to an end of yourself, listen, you're listening to the wrong message, you're not hearing it clearly. And only, only Jesus can open up our hearts and only Jesus can open up our minds to the scriptures so that we begin to pay attention to the things that are said and truly, truly understand them. Now, this man is dealing with a son who is, who is really racked with uh, demonic activity. And he's come to the disciples, and if you remember, the disciples couldn't, um, they couldn't do anything. In fact, uh, they're trying and uh, nothing, nothing happens. This man is still stuck, as it were. He is uh, still in the same position he was when he came to them to cast out these, these demons. Listen, demons are um, so destructive. All they want to do is destroy people. I'm going to tell you this very clearly. Satan hates you. God loves you. It's not the other way around. Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He loves you. And Satan's goal for your life, whether it's as dramatic as what we're going to see in the Scriptures here, His desire is to ruin your life. There are even, listen, there are even believers in this room who need to be set free of things. Doesn't mean you're possessed. I believe there are people who've come in here today who are dry. Dry. Those who are are dealing with something in their life and uh, there's... There's some kind of activity that is not from God. It's not from the Lord. And if you know the Lord, you know that the enemy, as we have talked about, can still wreak havoc at different times in your life. And we have to come against that. And the prayer this morning is that chains would be broken, not only over unbelievers who are still enslaved to sin, and slaves of the devil, but those who are dealing with some kind of demonic activity in their life of oppression. And the Lord wants to set people free. He wants to set people free. Now notice this in verse 20. Notice the destruction of the devil. Mark chapter nine, verse 20. And they brought the boy to him. So disciples couldn't do anything. The um, disciples have tried they've, they've tried to they've tried to cast them out. Come out of the boy. Come out of the boy. <laughs> nothing's happening. Come out. Pretty soon they're like the prophets of Baal. Remember those guys? Run around, run around to Baal. Oh Lord, Baal, we, we ask you to send fire nothing's happening. Remember those guys? And finally they're cutting themselves and Elijah comes down, he's like, what's going on here? Calls fire from heaven, Jesus, a better Elijah, powerful. You can just see the the disciples' exasperation as they're they're trying to cast this thing out. It won't come out. Mark chapter 6, Jesus had sent them out with authority over demons. Before, they'd been casting demons out. They had been doing it before. Now, maybe they're getting a little bit cocky. Pulling out their um, Holy Spirit gun. Zap. What's wrong with this thing? It would be even funnier if it weren't true. I was, in a, I was in a service where a guy had a Holy Spirit gun. At the time, it really freaked me out. People would walk down the aisle, he'd go, bang! Wow! But their, their zapper wasn't working. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't doing so well. So now they bring, they bring this boy to a, a greater Elijah, a greater Moses, one who's stronger and powerful, one who is uh, in charge and um, in complete control. Jesus, Jesus just had this authority about him full of authority, full of the Holy Spirit, full of power, full of wisdom. And they brought the boy to him. And immediately, when the spirit saw him, now the devil had been kind of dancing around before with the other disciples, with the nine who couldn't cast him out. But when the spirit saw Jesus, uh uh-oh, D- different different picture here. This is, this is one. He knew. He knew what was about to happen. And oftentimes, listen, when the devil knows that something powerful is about to happen from Christ, he fights all the more. He fights all the more. So he knows something's coming. Listen, he sees somebody in the word. He sees somebody praying. See somebody under the authority of Christ, he he knows. He knows there's problems. There's real problems. Listen, Satan is not worried about nine disciples with no power. He's not worried about a church with 20,000 people with no power. No power. Isn't this a question we need to be asking ourselves today? Where's the power in the church? Where's the power? This This isn't the glee club. Let's let's get together and sing a few songs and hear a message woohoo! and I'll leave. Where's the power? Where's where's the power of Elijah in our churches? Where's the prophetic word? Say people say, oh, the Lord must be blessing our church. We have 20,000 people. What about Islam? What about Islam? Billion people? Maybe God's really blessing them. That's a pretty big church. Real big church. Big group of people. What about all the, all the other religions that are packing out their temples and their shrines? Is God blessing them? Listen, just because there's, there's numbers, just because there's tens of thousands of people, oh, the Lord must be blessing. He must be really anointing this service because we have so, so much going on. Look at all the activity. And the question is not all the activity. And listen, the crowds were here. You have nine disciples. And Satan's up there like this. <gasps> But when he sees Jesus, something else happens because he knows he's the one with authority. Immediately he convulsed the boy. By the way, this is not, just a, this is not a sickness. This is, this is a spirit problem. And he fell on the ground. The boy falls on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth pretty destructive you know we don't see this often we've been seeing this in our church where somebody's rolling around foaming at the mouth But listen we have seen people who are under the oppression of Satan there's no doubt in my mind you look into the eyes of someone who's steely hard against God and Jesus asked the father now Jesus Ask the father. He's, he's diagnosing the problem here. He's asking, how long is this going on? How long has this been happening? That's what he says in verse, uh, verse 21. How long has, has this happened to him? And he said, from childhood. You know what this means? This has been going on a long time. Can you imagine the father's, uh, the father's desperation here? I mean, he loves his son. And, and he has seen this activity go on and on and on uh, in, his, uh, in his son's life for years. And sometimes we, we talk about the enemy at work, and it's like, well, he's just at work for 30 minutes, and then he's gone. How about the, how about the problem that just persists? The demonic problem just persists over and over and over and over and over again. Notice what he says, how destructive he is. And yet, now this is a this is the demonic spirit who has full control over this boy at this point, has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. The enemy wants to destroy him. So why would he cast him into the water to drown him? Why why would he cast him into the fire to burn him to death? Why do people cut themselves? Why, Why do people inflict pain upon themselves? Well, sometimes it's just a psychological problem. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just a sin problem. You know how many people try to destroy themselves? Why, why would this kid all of a sudden, I mean, you can't see the, see the devil. All of a sudden, you know, you're, you have a fire, and all of a sudden he's jumping into the fire. Remember the pigs? Jesus cast the demons into the pigs in Mark chapter 5. What's the instant reaction? of the enemy. Let's kill the pigs. Let's drown them. Let's destroy them. And that's what Satan always does. His his aim is always to destroy. His aim is always to inflict harm. His aim is always to bring chaos. That's his aim. That's his desire, is to destroy people, to kill them. In fact, if you flip over to John chapter 10, Matthew, Mark... Luke, John, John, chapter ten. John, chapter ten, verse ten says this: "The thief—that's that's that's Satan—that's." representative of all the demonic forces. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So the thief hates us. The thief comes to steal from us. The thief comes to kill us. The thief comes to destroy us. That's Satan. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see the difference even again in the lordship. The lordship of um, Satan who comes to destroy Who comes to kill and the Lordship of Christ who comes to set us free and who comes that we might have life and have it abundantly. So the devil is a destroyer he's a liar and his aim here is to destroy this boy's life. His aim is to destroy this boy's life. That's why we pray for our children. Listen, we don't, we don't always know the Lord's timing. And, and to think that, that just because we, we complete a, a certain amount of steps that everything's going to go right, even in our kid's life, even if you're a strong believer. You know, there's been pastors who have kids who have committed suicide. You don't instantly go, oh, they must be demon-possessed. no. Consider a heartbreak to their parents for a long period of time. How long has this been happening? How long have you been watching your child under this influence? How long, how long, how long? Can, you can hear, the, again, the compassion, the authority of Christ over this situation even as this man begins to confess, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Maybe that's you this morning. You're just going, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. I've been praying over this for a long time that God would have uh, victory over the situation. But the father is desperate here and he asked Jesus a question. He says, but if you can do anything. His question is about Jesus's power. Do you have the power? I don't know. I'm starting to doubt now. Listen, I brought my son. Uh, This is a question of ability. I thought thought that we were going to get help. This isn't if you will. That's That's a different question. If you will, there's nothing wrong with coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, if you will. Lord, will you do this? Lord, will you do this in my life? Lord, I'm asking you. Lord, if you will, will you do this? That's a good, faith-filled question. In fact, we see that if you go back to Mark chapter 1, there's a difference here between, between questions. The Lord doesn't rebuke this man when he asks this question. And a leper, verse 40 of Mark 1, and a leper came to him imploring him and kneeling, if you remember this, as we went through this, and kneeling said to him, if you what? If you, if you will, this is a different question, if you will, you can make me clean. Was he saying? Jesus, are you willing? Listen, sometimes the Lord is, is not willing. Desire is always for those who cry out for mercy, but sometimes the timing of God is much different than our timing. We come to the Lord and say, If you will, and the Lord's saying, Wait, if you will, wait. So we keep coming back to the Lord, If you will, if you will, if you will. How many of you have prayed that prayer and then you've had to pray it again? If you will, if you will. This is a different question that this guy is asking. He's saying, If you can. I don't know if you have the power. I'm not sure anymore. I came to the disciples, and these are like the nine stooges. I mean, they're they're just trying to cast this thing out, cast this thing out, cast this thing out. We heard great reviews about these guys. We read Mark chapter 6. Of course, they hadn't really read it. We read Mark chapter 6, and we heard that these guys were casting out demons. We come to them, and they can't do anything. It's been like a circus, and I had my hopes so high that you would do something. And now, Lord, I'm beginning to doubt if you have the power to do it. Not sure. And Jesus said to him, verse 23, so he says, If you can do anything, into verse 22, have compassion on us and, and help us. He's not just saying help my boy. He's saying help me too. If you help my boy, you're helping me. And Jesus said to him, "This is a gentle rebuke." Jesus said to him, verse twenty-three, "If you can, if I can, that's the question he's asking. If I, I can, I have, I have all authority." All things are possible for the one who believes. He throws it back on him. He's saying, do you really believe I have the authority? The question is you. Where's where's your faith? It's one thing to say if you will. It's another thing. It's another question to say if you can. Jesus is saying, look, I can. I have the authority. I have the power. The question is, do you believe I have the power? And immediately the father of the child cried out. This is such a beautiful verse. And he said, now listen, he's, he's weeping. In fact, some of the manuscripts say with tears. So he cries out, he's weeping. Have you ever just been broken before the Lord? You're just so desperate. Just You're just broken. The Lord has this gentle but commanding way of saying, if I can... You need to believe that I have the power. You need to believe. And at that moment, he just breaks. Now, there's there's something about being in the presence of Jesus that, that breaks us. And there are some people who are beginning to doubt the power of God. It's one thing to say, I know God has power, I'm just asking if he's willing. It's another thing to come to him and say, I don't even know if you have the power. And, and this man, he cries out and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. He says, I'm, I'm mixed up. I'm mixed up. What he's saying is, Lord, I, I believe there's a part of me that really believes, and then there's a part of me that doesn't believe. And, and the truth is, um, this is like many of us. If we're honest with ourselves, there are times where we doubt the power of God. So I don't doubt the power of God. Have you ever called a situation hopeless? Have you ever begun to get to a place in your life you just despair over something? Well, you might, in your head, knowledge-wise, assent to the fact that the Lord has all power. But when we have given over our minds to just say, well, this situation is hopeless. There's just no hope. There's just no hope. This has been going on for too long, for too many years. Just no hope. Isn't that a symptom of unbelief? We come to the Lord, and maybe He needs to renew faith in us even this morning, give us new strength to pray again. Boom! Strong. Mighty. Lifting spiritual weights. Um, I I can't lift much weight, regular weight, but how about spiritual weight? How about lifting our, lifting our, our, our hearts to the Lord? Weight! So we come before the Lord and we say, Lord... I do believe, but Lord, I'm struggling. I really am struggling in this. I believe you have the power. Have you ever asked the Lord, where's the power? Isn't that what we're asking this morning? We believe you have the power. We want to see the power. We want to see people get set free. We want to see our own lives be set free. We want to see those we love, like sons and daughters, be set free. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. And by the way, that's, that's all the Lord expects. He doesn't expect us to kind of get into this uh, mind-over-matter state where we go, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. That's not faith. I'm just claiming it, just claiming it, just claiming it, just claiming it. Then you drive yourself crazy. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with saying, if you will. Now, there are some times when God gives the gift of faith. It's a gift I have prayed often for. The gift of faith, where it's this this supernatural, overwhelming faith that just gives you the sense you know this is going to happen. You know this is going to happen. But oftentimes we just go to the Lord saying, Lord, I know you have the power. I know you have the power. I come to you in faith. I come to you in belief that you have the power. And I believe that you're going to do what you want to do. And I entrust myself to you because you do have all authority. Help my unbelief. Now, the Lord shows his uh, absolute dominion. This text is really, we see a, a battle here of who's in charge? Who's greater? The darkness of this world? Don't we see darkness everywhere? Satan seems to be winning. And uh, we look at the darkness, it's, it's all over. We see 1 John chapter 5 very clearly. It's in the power of the evil one. There's a battle here of dominion, of dominion. So we see the devil's destruction, we see the father's desperation, we see Christ's dominion. Now, notice what he does in verse 25. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, uh, Jesus was not interested in putting on a show. That's what he's, he's not interested in doing that. Let me just, hey, everybody come, you know, put your... uh, Put your quarter in the slot, and I'm going to perform for everybody. That's, that's not what he's doing. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute, this boy couldn't speak, and deaf spirit, he couldn't hear. By the way, we're told that uh, in some cases, even today, when you see a pe- person under demon possession, not always, but sometimes there's a deafness, person can't speak, a muteness, he says, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Ooh, that's authority, isn't it? Come out and don't come back. It's not like, I bind you Satan for today and surprise, you're back tomorrow. I love this. He says, not only do I rebuke you, 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 you foul thing, come out of him. Unclean spirit, you deaf and mute spirit. Not only did I tell you to come out of him, but I tell you, you spirit of, of filth, never, ever come back again. And guess what? That, that, that command was answered. That command was answered. Never again would this spirit harass this boy. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, came out, the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he is dead. He had just been through a lot. He is worn out. This, this spirit has been whipping him around for years. He's been throwing him into water, throwing him into fire. He's doing it here. Finally, this thing is gone, and there's peace. Peace. rest. Just lay in there. He's not dead. But all of a sudden there is peace, the, kind, the peace of God, the peace that surpasses all understanding has filled this boy. And Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him, and he arose. By the way, one commentator says this is even a picture of the future resurrection. Took him by the hand, lay in there, and he, he arose. It's a beautiful picture. This boy, though, is not dead. He's just been He's just been dealing with this spirit for far too long and has been harassing him and tormenting him. Now, the nine disciples are blown away at this. And here comes Jesus. All authority comes down from the mountain, transfigured. Has been chatting with Moses and Elijah. They, they disappear. Come back down the hill. There's this... Uh, Chaos that's ensuing with with scribes and you know everybody else it, making fun of these disciples. Well, we thought you know you're saying this guy's the Messiah. He's obviously not the Messiah. Then Jesus comes back and he's like, shh. <laughs> okay, let me take care of this and bring the boy to me. And the boy comes and the devil's scared to death. The devil knows what's going to happen. Aren't you glad the devil's scared of Jesus? Ooh, be on the Lord's side thinking about standing before the Lord standing before the Lord his majesty his majesty by the way Luke says that they were all awed at the majesty of God when, when we go before the Lord even, even as a believer not only will we be on our face but I think there's going to be just this unbelievable sense of awe at his majesty you weren't talk about terrifying in a in a beautiful but terrifying way standing before the king of glory who has all dominion and authority over everything now the disciples want to know what happened lord you had you had sent us out back in mark 6 you told us to cast out devils and we were doing a pretty good job they entered the house in verse 28 and his disciples asked him privately. Yeah, they would ask him privately when they, they wouldn't do this publicly. Lord, we have, can we have a word with you? We were, we were thoroughly embarrassed out there. We don't, we don't know what happened. Um, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said to them, he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Remember why Jesus had gone up the mountain? Was to pray. Now, he's he's not talking here about before you cast out a devil, you need to bow your head and say a little prayer. Um, Lord, we're about to cast this devil out, help us. That might be a good prayer. But that's not what Jesus is that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He he's talking about a life that is com- completely committed to prayer. A praying person. A praying person person who loves to pray, a person who doesn't just go, hey, the Lord gave me, gave me this gift, I can uh, cast out uh, demons at will, and then they find out, oh, I can't, I need the majesty, I need the glory of God, I need to be a praying person, the Lord isn't just saying, say a little prayer here today, and say a nice little prayer tomorrow, this is a person who has power in their life, listen, because in the secret place, they're a person of prayer, You know what the secret of revival is? You know what the secret of a a powerful church is? It's prayer. It's people getting on our knees before God and saying, God, do something so that when the devil does come, we have authority to say, Be gone and never come back in Jesus' name. It's a life that's given over to the practice of prayer. It's not just saying prayers. The person that says prayer is the very air I breathe. I have to pray. I have to pray. I have to get alone with God. I have to get alone with God. And as we get alone with God, we're showing our utter dependence on him. Our utter dependence. That we need him desperately. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us today. Lord, I come and ask you for authority. Listen, this is why we want to get things right in our life. As believers, we want the power of God in our life. He says this comes. He says this comes by. By prayer, look with me at Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. Now many have said, and it seems right, that there are different levels of angels. There are archangels, there are... are, There's a whole host of ranks within the angelic community, and it's the same thing with the demonic community. And evidently, they had come up against a pretty powerful demon. And so the scripture says here, "...for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness." Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He's saying we're wrestling against these these forces. We're wrestling against these evil powers. And how do we wrestle? How How are we wrestling with them? Look at verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit. With all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Lord, the, the, the Lord wants to move us, the Lord wants to move us way, way past the idea of just praying for, for our, um, our, our broken toe or for grandma's dog who just got a hernia. Listen, God, those, those things are, are okay prayers, but God wants us to pray much greater prayers than that. You know what the kind of prayers Paul prays? He prays, oh Lord, that, that we might know the height and the depth of your love. Lord, that you might root us and ground us in faith. Lord, that the eyes of our hearts might be open to you. As we wait upon the Lord in the secret place, Lord, show us your glory, as Moses would say. Lord, show us your majesty. We want to know you. Lord, we want to know your truth. We want the truth of the word applied to our hearts. Those are the kind of prayers we're praying. God, make this book alive to us. Help us to understand it. Lord, we want to know. Lord, we would see Jesus. That's what we're praying. These are the kind. It's not wrong to pray all those other kind of prayers. But it's these kind of prayers when we're praying big cosmic prayers. This is how we wrestle against the the enemy. We wrestle against him. John Calvin said this, we must repeat the same supplications not twice or three times only, but as often as we have the need, a hundred and a thousand times, we must never be weary in waiting for God's help. Oh, I prayed three times. The Lord says pray six. I prayed six times. The Lord says pray a hundred. Prayed a hundred times for this. He says pray a thousand we pray in his name because he has, he, has, um, he has complete dominion over every dark force, over every evil demon, over every wicked thing. He says this in Ephesians chapter 1. He's, he's praying this and he says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Isn't that what we sing? That you might know the hope to which he has called you. And Then he talks about here dominion, verse, verse 21. Notice what it says here. We pray in Christ's name because he has all authority, he has all dominion, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things, the church. So we come in Christ's name. We come in the name of the one who has complete authority and complete dominion. We come in his name and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray. pray. If I could ask someone if they'd get the uh, crystal and the worship team, but as as they're as they're doing that.